G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live. That's us. The Aussie Pastor Live. Is that Aussie Pastor Live. Yep. Yeah, I keep. I, I, we don't make a big deal about that, do we? A lot. But wherever you are in Australia, we're glad to have you here today. It's a cold day in Sydney, but it's a beautiful day. How are you going, Hunty? Yes, mate. Good to be here as always. Welcome, listeners. How's the equipment uh, shaping up today? Everything okay? Gave me a scare earlier, but we're all good now. You learning to drive this thing? Uh, mate, I'm on my L plates, but it's going good. I tell people we've got this new studio. It is still pretty new. I reckon we wouldn't have done we wouldn't have done half a dozen radio shows yet in here. And Hunty's learning to drive it. And if you had, if if you're uh, online, you can you can watch us do this program live online. If you go to Aussie Pastor Facebook page, you sure can. Um, Hunty, can you show them your desk, or is that not possible? Um, I, of course, I our, li- have, our, our I list. Don't have a camera on my desk. Next next week, I'm going to get him to put a camera on yeah, his yeah. desk so you can have a look. <laughs> I'll give you the tour next and week. I'm, I'm not talking to those on radio, of course. I'm talking to the one or two people who are watching us. On. Yeah, we're talking to both of you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're glad to have you here today. We've got a good program today. But I want to tell you, I want to say something up front right from the start. We've lost both our guests this week. We have. Which has never happened in the history of this program. No, Which, uh, very recalcitrant guests. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where Robbie is, but he couldn't come. And Harold's not too well today, so you, if, you, if you're thinking about it, you might remember him in prayers. I'm happy to throw them both under the bus, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me last week Robbie's your boss, so you've just thrown your boss under the bus. Well... At that point, I wasn't going to say who the guest was supposed to be. Uh, okay. You kind of dropped me in that one now. Oh, okay. Um, so we've still got some special stuff. We've been able to work very busy this morning. You've been very busy. Yep. Yeah, pull some, yep. pull some other uh, material up. And I think it's going to be a good program, and I think you'll enjoy it. Hey, today is June the 20th, some of the things that have happened on this day. Um, with the death of William the Fourth in 1837, on June 20, Victoria became the Queen of England. Do you know what she's famous for, Har- uh, Hunty? Uh, Victoria? Yeah, I almost said Harold. Sorry, Harold, if you're listening. <laughs> um, I'm no. thinking of you. That's what that I means. I don't know. Uh, she's famous because under Queen Victoria, England, Britain, became the most powerful nation on the planet. Okay. 1975. Do you know what happened on June 20? I bet you do, Hunty. Jaws was released in cinemas worldwide. <sighs> wow. I remember my dad got that program out. He was a youth pastor and he was going to see whether it was okay for kids to watch. And I was sneaking around and I saw it looking through the door. It scared me so much. I've been worried about going in the surf ever since. And I am a surfer. I've surfed my whole youth in the surf. That program, that Jaws, it never left me, hunty. That guy, who, who, uh, I don't know even who directed that. That's a Spielberg. He scarred me for life. How did, how, how did you respond to did, that? Did you know, it's one of my favourite little stories about the movie. Yep. The uh, animatronic shark that they spent a lot of money on broke down. Yep. And it didn't work. They were out of time, out of budget. People were saying, kill this movie, it's a loser, it's not going to work. And the sound guy pulled the rabbit out of the hat. He said, look, we can't have this shark on screen because it won't swim and it won't work. But we do have one shot of the shark chasing the swimmer. So he put this violin music, he put that on with the shot with the swimmer being chased by the shark, and then for the rest of the movie, you just had the camera swimming behind the swimmer, and the music, your brain said it's the shark, yes. not totally true. Pretty much true. That shark was all the way through the movie. 
not swimming behind the swimmer. Oh, possibly not. It was, if I remember, it was coming on frontwards, wasn't it? You know, oh, remember how it came <laughs> up to the boat and sunk it from the rear? Believe it or not, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, in 1840, Samuel Morse on this day received a patent for the telegraph. Nice. Yeah, it was good. 1861, British biochemist, I never knew this, Frederick Hopkins was born in East Sussex, England. He discovered vitamins. Cool. What a hero. Yeah. 1863, West Virginia, never been there. I think, or maybe I have. Where is West Virginia? Somewhere in, I know it's in the US, but I'm not sure where. Yeah, I forget. It was admitted to the US as the 35th state. It's in the middle of the Civil War, actually. 1877, here's one for you, Hunty. Alexander Bell, what did he do in 1877? Oh, uh, invented the... No, no, no. no. Wrong guy. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Leading you down the road. No. (laughs) He installed the world's first commercial telephone service in... Do you know where he installed it? Uh, New York. Hamilton, Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Oh. And guess what it was called? No now, idea. I've had a phone account with these guys when I used to live in the US. AT&T. Oh, cool. American Telephone and Telegraph Company. That happened on June 20, 1877. Uh, 1979, Bill Stewart. This is really sad, this one. I never knew nothing about this. He was a famous American journalist who was shot dead by Nicaraguan soldiers. It was filmed and then spread across the world. It was one of the first times on film that you have a guy literally live being shot dead in Nicaragua. It actually brought the Nicaraguan government, helped to bring that current Nicaraguan government down. If you go to Nicaragua today, the good people of that beautiful country have built a park to remember Bill Stewart by. Uh, 1982, on this date, Falkland War ends with the surrender of Argentine's final base, which wasn't even on the, well, not on the main island of the Falkland Islands. There's another little island somewhere off called Southern Field. Yep. Births. 1909, this is June 20, Errol Flynn. Do you know where he was born? Um, Famous actor. Australia. Do you know where? Uh, Melbourne. No, but close. Oh, oh. Uh, Tasmania. Cool. Mm. I did a bit of, when I was doing this part of the program, getting it ready, I did a little bit of, I, I get interested, you know, and I go, I get distracted. It's why it takes me a long time. I went off on Wikipedia to learn a little bit about Errol Flynn's life. Wasn't a really, really reputable no, man. No, no. I didn't realise that. Hence the saying, in like Flynn. No, it's not that. He, no. he was caught, um, um, he was caught thieving stuff oh, and dear. other things. Yeah, 1940, John Mahoney. It's his oh, birthday. That, ring, that rings a bell. Is he the guy from the um, Police Academy movies? No, Frazier. Oh, oh Frazier. The Don Barney, the dad, yeah. And he died in yep. 2018. What he, a was, great he, actor. Was, he was a single man all his life, a bachelor. Okay. Okay. 1949, it's uh, Lionel Richie's birthday. Oh, what an awesome singer. Singer, John yeah. Goodman, it's his birthday. Alan Lamb, South African born English cricketer, born in 1954. It was his birthday. He's a great cricketer, actually. And Nicole Kidman, 1967, it's her birthday. She was born in Hawaii. I didn't realise that. And it's World Refugee Day. 117 million people in the world today are refugees. Well, many which live in Australia. Place. Yeah. No, not many in Australia at all. I thought we've been taking thousands. Not each many. Year. Oh. Thirty-six million are refugees. You want to know the top five countries for yes, refugees? Please. Yes, please. Turkey, four million. Germany, two point three million. Pakistan, one point six million. Uganda, one and a half million. And Russia, self-inflicted gunshot wound. This one, one and a half million. They're pretty much all Ukrainians. Wow. The word of the day. I'm going to start a new thing today, Hunter. Here we go. Yep. Dendrophile. 
No idea. You were telling me how good your vocabulary was yesterday. I was. So I thought, I'm going to start a new word. I'm kind of regretting it already. (laughs) (laughs) Dendrophile. Are you a dendrophile? I don't know. I am. A person who loves trees. Yeah. Good word, isn't it? Very good, yeah. So every week I'm going to bring a new word in. Hey, Hunty, would you open with a prayer, please? Sure. Definitely, Father. Lord, it's great that we can get together this afternoon to celebrate you and I pray for my mate Lloyd today as he opens the Bible and uh, spreads the beautiful love that Jesus has. But, Lord, especially I pray for all of our listeners, Lord. Please bless them, wrap your loving arms around them, and grant them peace and all their hearts' desires. Lord, thank you for being with us this afternoon, and I pray that you'll bless us as we continue. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right. With that segment done, is it? Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Last week, well, you, you, last well, week you stripped me under the bus because I prayed then you continued on with the segment. Well, well, well. Yes. Do you remember last week? Pregnant pauses on radio. Uh, do you remember what you did to me last week? No. After I prayed last week, no, you continued don't. on with the segment. No, I don't. But if I did, it would have been a joyful thing. <laughs> yeah. It's joyful both ways, I see. I see it in your face. <laughs> this uh, first song, well, I love you, mate. This first song, it's called He's Coming Soon. This is a very, very old hymn. But I only found it a week or two back, and I'm I am I am bent on bringing it to New Hope. I've got to push that through our mm-hmm. musicians and our song Many leaders. Many cogs and wheels in that machine. <laughs> They're not so keen on it at the moment, but I'll bring them around. I'm very keen on it, and it's sung by Gloria Bailey. Now you're a muso. I'm not, Hunty. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. She's a I, me either until a few days ago. This is an old recording, so you get you know how you get little. Few little mm-hmm. crackles here crackles and there. Crackles and things, yep. Yep. She's a Jamaican singer and very, very famous in the day. She was a singer in the 60s and the 70s, maybe leaked into the 80s, but I went online and tried to find more about her. There wasn't a lot there. But if you listen to her voice, it's pure and it's beautiful. And this song, for me anyway, is glorious. Thank you, Hunty. In days of time, what joy the glorious hope affords that soon our wonders should sublime. He shall reign, King of kings and lords of all. He's coming soon, he's coming very soon with joy. The sun. 
And Jesus is coming soon. Absolutely. That's my view anyway, and yeah. I've thought that for some time, that soon the, the world will come crashing to an end and Jesus will come. I think there are signs everywhere. In fact, if you've never done it, it's a very interesting exercise. Jesus, in two chapters, well, the more than two, but in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Jesus gives some signs of what it'll be like at the end of the world. And he gives these signs 2,000 years ago when he was living on the planet. And his disciples came to him and said, what will it be like at the end of the world? So Jesus gives these signs, and it was quite amazing. Um, the signs that he recounted back then are unfolding right now. Now, um, the news of the day, Hunty. Uh, news yes, of the day. news of the day. Um, right. And I'm waiting for You've my news to clock start. to start. Yes. <laughs> we have a really quite complex thing here. I reckon Hunty almost needs an assistant. Should we put an ad out for an <laughs> no. assistant to do the no, clock? No, I got sidetracked again because the computer that normally tells us how long the songs has to go is not telling us today. Okay, so yeah. we're just going to have to live with that. Um, this submersible lost while visiting the Titanic. What do you think about that? Well, I think... They are still alive. They've I, got two I, and a half, I three days. I don't think they're, they're alive. I think they've got two or three days of oxygen left, and I think if the machine hasn't uh, imploded, they're still alive waiting for rescue. I, I wouldn't think there's a chance they're alive. Um, I did think so until about an hour ago. The guy who actually made the submarine, Hunty, have yep. you read what he said? Uh, no, what did he say? That thing has, that little submarine that has five, I don't know why they go down in it. Seems like it has no windows. And so they're watching on a screen anyway what's outside. It's like just sitting in a cylinder going down, I don't know how deep that Titanic is, but it's a long way down. Um, but um, the guy who made it, or one of the engineers who designed it and constructed it, said that it has a whole lot of fail-safe devices in it so that if the engine for some reason breaks down or they lose contact with the mothership above... They can actually still get to the surface by doing mm -hmm. certain technical yeah, vent things. Venting the well, well it's, more, it's more than even that. There's four or five, maybe half a dozen fail-safe yep. uh, um, contraptions they've got on there that will get them back to the surface, even if they're not powered. Um, some people say, oh, they got caught in the Titanic, you know, um, up in the wreckage. That can't be because it takes two hours to get down there. They'd only been going down for an hour and a half when they lost contact. No. And he thinks there's been an, a massive implosion and that they're already dead. And the reason wow. he says that is because if they weren't, they'd be headed back to the surface in that submarine. Uh, and more than that, they'd be able to ping them with the radars. And they've gone right off the radar. And so he thinks there's just been a massive implosion. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me because we've got some very sophisticated radar. They're not that deep. What are they, three or four kilometres down? Uh, it, it'll make sense when you realise what they're going to visit. The Titanic. Yep. Yep. And if you're going to visit the Titanic, there's already a lot of um, wreckage on the floor and it'd be pretty hard. He actually brought that up. Right. Almost impossible. If they're sitting on the bottom, it's almost impossible to pick it up. But he thinks they've imploded. Well, I'll add them to my press for sure, but I'm, I'm hoping they're still alive. I think we're all hoping they're still alive, but it's 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 a pretty serious situation. If if they have not imploded, he says that rescue is almost impossible. Wow. Because he said if the devices that they've designed are not bringing the sub up, um, I guess time will tell. There's a billionaire in there, a very famous scientist, um, and some... Fairly wealthy passengers. To be honest, Hunter, you wouldn't get me in that thing for nothing. I would not get in that submarine. 
a little yeah, cylinder. I, that you, I went in one. There's a, a tourist one in Hawaii you can go in. Yeah, but that doesn't even go in the water properly, does it? It doesn't get in very far. But it just it just drops to the like the surface is still above the water in that one. If it's the same one I went on. <laughs> oh well. Do you know? What I, I mean? thought we went down a bit. Oh okay, yeah. okay. And how did you feel? I, I took photos. Oh, very claustrophobic. I don't think I'd do it again. I, I, try, I sometimes wonder whether who's who's the most claustrophobic out of you and me. Is it you or is it me? <laughs> um, I reckon it's you. Well, when we went down that mine, who was it? We went down a mine. Where were we? Out at... Yeah. Um, not Kalgoorlie. Um, uh, Kibipedi? No. No. no Broken Hill? Somewhere? Broken, Broken Hill. Hill. It's yeah. Broken Hill. Remember we went down that... Was it a tin mine or lead mine or something or other? Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep. Who was the most claustrophobic that day? Humpy. Well, I, I don't think I was wanting to turn around because of claustrophobia. I was getting a lot of dust from from various things. Okay. I might dust the leaves were playing up. So. We, we love you and we believe every word you say there, mate. <laughs> Short-term <laughs> rates to be higher in Hobart for houses if they're Airbnb. What do you think about that idea? Apparently, one of the reasons is such a short shortage of rentals in the major cities of Australia, because a lot of them have gone short term. Instead of having long term rentals in, they go Airbnb because they've got they make more money. And so in Hobart, they've already voted this through the council. What happens is you will pay twice as much for your local rates if you're Airbnb. Is that fair? Um, I don't know. Well, the, their argument is, is apparently it, if you uh, if you own a motel or a hotel, yeah. You're paying a lot more in rates because it is a place where people can go and stay. And they're saying, well, they're in a similar situation, so they should pay twice as much for rates. Mm. Fair? And the idea is that people take the houses off short-term stay, Airbnb, and will go to long-term rentals so people like you and I can go and rent their houses. You like it or not? You're very uh, quiet. I am very quiet. Um, you got no view? I'm torn. I'm torn. But I'll go with you on this one. Well, I don't have a view either. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I can't understand it both ways. Yeah, uh, me too. And, I, and I'm very upset about the whole property thing, especially given the, what's going on in Sydney at the moment. So it's a sore point for me. Uh, unpack that a little. What do you mean? Well, there's not enough properties in Sydney, and the ones that are available for rent are five to a thousand. Five hundred to a thousand dollars a week. You'd be um, doing well to get one for five hundred these exactly. days. Exactly. Uh, and if you want to buy a house, there's nothing, almost nothing under a million dollars now. I, I looked at a house the other day at Pitt Town, not far from where we are, on about an acre. And I asked the lady, the real estate agent, how much, and she said, "Oh, three and a half million. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of money. <laughs> Man alive. Um, and this war in Ukraine, it, it, it lurches from disaster to disaster there. I think a lot of people were hoping that when Ukraine counterattacked that they'd quickly push the Russians back to their own border and the war would be over. But they're up against one of the most powerful armies on the planet. Mm. And um, mm. I don't know. It, it Maybe we don't live there. We don't understand the cultures of the two countries um, warring with each other. But... It seems such a senseless war. I, I, I watched this morning a father mm. who was a, um, I think he was a colonel on the front line and one of the major news organisations had gone in there to take some footage of the front line and show people what it was like. 
And in the middle of the interview, he, he began to weep. And, you know, he's a hard-line, mm-hmm. battle-hardened Ukrainian colonel who's been in, in battle for a long time. And the news reporter, it was a guy, and he said, well, well what's wrong? And he said, ah, oh, my son was killed a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's so senseless, like you said. It's a senseless, stupid, foolish war. Yep, yep. I, I cannot see why... They would want to fight. So much loss of life, so much loss of property and buildings. It's, it's infrastructure. You, you, the, the dam they blew up the other day. The infrastructure, yeah. The the loss of life, of course, is is the most damaging thing of this war. But the infrastructure loss on Ukraine, I don't think in our lifetime, Hunty, they could ever rebuild it. I, look, I don't know. You, you have a look at World War Two. Germany rebuilt fairly quickly, and so did so did um, Japan. But it's just an awful, awful war. You know, I actually pray every day for God to stop mm. that war. Mm. And then, of course, right now, Sudan is in the middle of blowing up into a full-scale, full-blown war too. And, you know, it's the leaders of these nations, Putin, yep. Yep. the leaders in Sudan, they are, and I don't mind saying this publicly, they are directly responsible for the carnage and for the murder and for the mayhem. And, look... God will call these guys into account. There is judgment. Um, and I just find it very, very sad. And I look at these things, Hunty, I can't help but think, you know, here you've got another sign that Jesus is coming soon. And to be honest, I can't wait for him to come mm. and end all the hurt and the pain and the carnage and the chaos of this world. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come. Please come quickly. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know what, Hunty? That's that was a, that was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? That that it news section. Uh, it just makes me so sad. You know the the lost submarine, the the rates going up, and mm-hmm. the awful war between yeah. Russia and Ukraine. And by the way, I feel sorry for the Ukrainians. I feel sorry for the Russian mothers and the Russian boys yep. who are dying too. Yep. Ah, man. No winners. No, no, no winners. This next song from Robin Mark, it's a beautiful song. Mm. It's what we're going to get when we get get to heaven. Jesus, Jesus, more of Jesus. If only people would be like Jesus, this place, this planet would be a far happier place to live. It's a beautiful song, and I hope you enjoy it. Oh, oh, Jesus. 
I like that song a lot, that one. Yeah, me too. When I, I, I often use, every day I try to have, well, I, I do have worship morning and night with both my wife and myself. So yep. when I'm worshipping God by myself, I'm in the Bible. I think I've shared before, I'm very much in the Bible. I'm studying the book of Hebrews again at the moment, and I'm loving it, to be honest. Yep. Great, great, great book. But... um. When I start my worship, I like to have some music, and I can't sing real good, but I put my headphones on, and that's one of my go-to songs at the moment. And when I'm singing it, I'm singing about Jesus. I can't sing. can't sing for nuts. In fact, I, Hunty knows I can't even keep a tune. How many times <laughs> have you? He tries to um, record me at church when the microphone's close, because I sing at church, but and then he, he'll use it to make fun of me at no, a Christmas party. No, I, I don't do that. You did do No, that. it's not true. <laughs> I only threatened to. <laughs> I remember the party. It was with fact, joy. I threatened to we, with joy. We, can we ring people up? On this show, yeah, we've got a, we've got a phone in line. Uh, we should ring Wally up and ask Wally whether it was done or not. Oh, we could we could ring him right now. He might have an answer. Uh, he would know the answer too. But he no, would. no, no, we haven't got time. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to check with him though because I'm sure on that one I'm right. Oh, I'm sure I'm right. Yes, okay. Um, uh, I like every week to have people sharing testimonies, Hunty. Yes, about what happens in their lives when they come to Jesus. And this is a testimony of a, a woman who's fairly young, um, brought up in Kuwait as a Muslim. Now, I, I, if you're a Muslim, don't get offended listening to this girl as she finds Jesus Christ. I, I actually often listen to people who are Christian going the other way. Don't like it a whole lot, but I listen, and I'm open enough to it. Uh, this girl finds Jesus, and he just changes her life so dramatically. And... Her journey to Jesus is very beautiful. And if you don't know Jesus, and if you've never experienced Jesus, and you, you, I guess you can't even imagine what it would be like to have Jesus, listen to the testimony of this woman, Hunty. Yep. It, it really is very powerful and very movie, move, moving. Thank you. Andrew? A crowd started together. The men were chanting in Arabic. Allah Allah Akbar. And my father and I, as I was holding his hand, were pushed to the front of this crowd. In the center of this crowd was an Arabic woman dressed just like this. And she was tied up and she was sitting on a box. Next to her was an Arabic man. And he did a traditional Islamic prayer on the floor. And he got up from the floor. And from his side, he pulled out this very long golden sword. And he beheaded the woman. My legs are shaking and my heart is going fast. And my father said, if you don't listen to the teachings we're instilling in your life, this will happen to you one day. I was born and raised in a small country by the name of Kuwait a community of 98% Muslim population. Two of my uncles are Imams, and one is president of a mosque, where I would hear the call to prayer five times a day. As a Muslim, the word Yahudi, which means Jew, was instilled in me as a bad word, as a cuss word. Yahudis should not exist. They should be killed. And I never thought to question, why would I hate them? I never met Jewish people in my life. 
They never did anything to harm my family. I just hated them. Just the word brought hatred in my heart. It's very important to learn the Quran and the Hadith and even memorize it in Arabic. I even entered a competition where you recite a long chapter in front of Islamic leaders and teachers. And I came second place. I thought I did a good job. And my father said, no, that's not good enough. Most of my life for me, it was alone by myself, broken person, in need of love for my family, but I never received it from them. I tried to experience this love from Creator God, from Allah. In my prayer times, I lifted up my hands and I cried out to Allah for help. Please have my father stop beating my mother. Please have my father stop beating me. But no help came. God is not a personable God to Muslims. God doesn't say, I love you. Saddam Hussein forces came in the middle of the night and invaded the small country of Kuwait. And then they came to my city and they destroyed property and they looted people's home and they stole possessions and they killed the men and they raped the women. Then we were granted asylum status to stay in the U.S. My grandmother suddenly got very sick. She had a heart attack and she went to the hospital. And two days later, she passed away. I was devastated because I lost my best friend. And this lady approached me and asked me if I was okay. And I said, no, Paula, my grandmother died. And I just started to cry again. At that moment, I was hurting so much. Only crying helped. And Paula came to me and put her arms around me. And she gave me a hug. And then she asked me a question. Would you like to go to church with me? When I walked into this church, I experienced love from these people and acceptance from these people like I've never before. Fellowshipping together, they were men and women together, they didn't have to be separate, no one was judging each other, and they knew I was Muslim. They were so friendly to me themselves, accepting of me and loving of me, and that was really surprising to me. And for the first time in my life, I heard a message from the Bible. He started reading the message about Yeshua. When he walked into the synagogue, he was given a scroll from Prophet Isaiah, and he opened the scroll and he started reading that scripture. That the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, and to proclaim liberty to the captive, and freedom of sight to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor first time I heard these words of freedom and healing and liberty. I'm desperate to be freed from bondage. I was held captive in Islam and I wanted to be freed from that. I was blinded with so much hatred in my heart. The darkness broke from my eyes. The veil came off my heart. I knew the decision I was making to leave Islam is a big decision. By Sharia law, Islamic law, it is death penalty. But I'm desperate to know a living God. In that day, I gave my life to becoming a follower of Jesus. This is the God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the nation of Israel is God's heartbeat. And I said, God, forgive me. I did not know I hated your people. I love the Jewish people. 
because it's their God, their Messiah that I'm following and he told me to love them. I never knew what happened to the six million Jews that died. I never heard that in Kuwait in history. Now that I met Holocaust survivors, I know their story and I shared my story with them. Your God, your Messiah, changed my heart, giving his life for me so I can have life everlasting. He rescued me. He saved me. He came and brought joy in my life again. And I'm a blessed woman. And I start crying and they start crying. And we are able to relate to each other and they embrace me and they love me and they experience some healing, I believe, when they hear my story. It is a privilege to have that in my life. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know, one of the things I, I love about Jesus mm-hmm. is he gets he, he teaches us and he shows us to love our enemies. Yes. And it's a powerful thing when you see the Christian church in Jerusalem worshipping on the Sabbath mm. and you've got Jews worshipping with Palestinians. Yes. You've got Egyptians work worshiping with Jews. Jesus does that. It's a miracle. Paul calls it. Paul calls it a miracle. How Jesus brings. It's that strange and wonderful power. How Jesus brings people who should be enemies together to worship. And I know yep. that the same thing's going on in Russia and Ukraine, where true believers, born again still love each other, and will still worship Jesus together. It's happening in Sudan, where those who are supposed to be enemies... See, Jesus is setting up another kingdom, aren't he? Yep. And that kingdom has Jew and Greek and Italian and English and Australian. I mean, we can even, I joke, but we can even love the English when it looks like they're about to beat us in a cricket test match, mate. Oh, yeah, Ste- steady on there, mate, steady on. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a joke. Not a very good joke either, by the way. But the thing is, Jesus teaches us to love. Yes. And he is beautiful. And that girl's sharing that. I've just seen Jesus. I mean, if you want to love, you've got to see, Je- you've got to see Jesus. That's the name of this song from Leona Rupert and Leon Day.
heart was the reason for Patty sings that song too, Hunty. Yes. And it's just as magnificent. Magnificent. What I like about that song, I like the music, but what I really like about it is the words. What happens when you see Jesus? Yep. And your whole life turns upside down and changes. That's what happened to that Muslim girl. She saw Jesus. Um, And it's not until you see Jesus that your life can change. I want to do a Bible study now. It's a very interesting little story. Moses, you know who he is, Hunty? I do. Great character. He's a guy who at 80 years of age stormed into Egypt when the Hebrews were there. We're talking a story that's probably oh, 2,000, 3,500 years old mm, or more. Mm, mm, that, mm. We don't know exactly what date the Hebrews, the Jews, were rescued from their Egyptian slavery. They were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. But we know that Moses, at 80 years of age, storms in there with God at his back and God leading him, God everywhere around him. And he it's a great story how in uh, 
Egypt, God forced Pharaoh's hand. He had he had in the Hebrews maybe a million up to two million slaves. He didn't want to let them go real easily. No, I think many times we've we've shared on our own programs on TV and on the online, Hunty, that that um the Hebrews possibly were instrumental in building the pyramids, Mm, mm. some of the great palaces, and some of the uh, palatial buildings of Egypt of the time. And so he didn't want to let them go, but Moses and God together were unstoppable. In the end, he he says, go. And so they go out into the desert. They cross the Red Sea, and they're in the desert for 40 years. A long time. They were there because they were disobedient. That's another story. And they had to learn obedience. So they're there for 40 years. At the end of the 40 years, they get to the edge of the promised land. So Moses, by this time, is about 120 years old. I mean, even back then where they would live longer than they do today, he was ancient, man. He is yes, an ancient, yes. and his whole life, the first 40 years he was a prince in Egypt, then he went out into the desert, married his Midian girl, became a shepherd because he was banished from Egypt. Then he comes back and frees the Hebrews, and then he's in the desert for 40 years, leading them on the way to the promised land. You got it? Got it. So he's 120 years old, and God says, I want you to climb this mountain called Pisgah Peak. Hunty, I don't mm, know whether mm, you remember, mm. but you and I... We didn't climb it. We drove to the top of it. I do remember, yep. Now, do you remember when you get to the top of it, you can look over yes. almost the entire land of Amazing Israel. Amazing views, yep. The worst thing is the day we were there, I don't know whether you remember, but it was a foggy, misty, smoggy sort of a day, and we couldn't see that far. But he gets up to the top of this peak, and then God starts to talk to him. This is one of the most powerful stories, I reckon, that you'll see. And you'll see why in just a minute. Hunter, you got your Bible open there? I do, I do. Deuteronomy chapter 34, what version are you in? Um, I've got the NLT. I always check that because others might be following on if they're Yeah, New Living Translation. Deuteronomy 34. I want you to start in verse 1 and just read down to verse 4, mate. Okay. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes. Now stop. Mm. I stopped. (laughs) You did very well. (laughs) This is the part that seems so unfair. Remember. So unfair. 40 years of prince in Egypt. Remember this. Yep, yep. Comes back into Egypt, frees the Hebrews with the power of God, 40 years in the desert, leading a stubborn, recalcitrant, difficult people. If this is a church, it's a difficult church. It's a hard church. It's a church full of hostile church members. If you're a pastor listening to me, you'll know what I'm talking about. Us pastors. For sure. 32, 33 years into it. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how peaceful you try to be. Doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be someone in that congregation who's going to go at you. And sometimes it can be a, a rump. You know what a rump is, hunty? I don't. What's a rump? A rump is a good percentage. A rump of the people. Moses had more than a rump. 
He got a really, really hard time. He stayed loyal. To, he got a hard time from the people. He stayed loyal. He stayed faithful. He's at the promised land. God takes him to the top of Mount Nebo, to the Pisgah Peak. He looks over the promised land. God said, this is a land I promised. I promised Israel. And he did. Mm. And he says, you've seen it now for your own eyes. But then what does he say? He says, but you will not enter the land. Oh, man. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Go to verse 5. Keep reading to verse 8. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Boah in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. I think it's pretty cool that the Lord buried him, don't you? Very cool. I wouldn't mind that, the Lord to pick me up and take me and bury me. I mean, you know what? If, they did, if the Lord didn't bury him and hide him, that'd be a shrine there. People would be worshipping him. Oh, I've never thought of that. Maybe. Well, we, uh, went, to, if, we went to Israel. Every single place Jesus went to was a house of worship or a shrine. I think if the Lord... Yeah, look... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to argue, but it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's dead. Yep. Can we see that? Clearly he's Clearly what? he's dead. Yep. He's dead. Yep. Now look at this. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 17. We climbed up this mountain while we, well, we drove up it. We didn't climb up too many we mountains. We climbed up the last few feet. <laughs> I'm not even sure we did that. I think the car park yeah, the was on the top of the, the mountain. Top. <laughs> it's called the Mount of Transfiguration, up from Galilee back. To, it's on the way from Galilee through to Jerusalem. Yep. Something happens on this mountain because Jesus goes up with Matthew, Mark. Well, he goes up with all his disciples, and then he says to of, of the twelve disciples, he says to the nine, "You just wait here." He said, "Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, James, and John." You come with me. No, Peter, James, and John. I get yeah, it right. Peter, James, and John. Peter, yeah. James, and John. He says, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And he goes further up the mountain, and then God appears in a cloud. And Jesus gets all shiny and bright. And I think it was God trying to say to these three key disciples, make no mistake, this is my son. This is Jesus. He is God. He is here to rescue you. You need to know it. So it's God the Father saying it. But read the story, Humpty. Okay, so Matthew... Um Chapter 17. Yep. And a verse, go verse. Ah, oh, you can go. Verse from, 1. Yeah, yeah. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Yeah, so this is what I was describing. Yep. God talks yep. a little later, but yep. I, this is what I want you to notice. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared. And began talking with Jesus. But Moses is dead. Yeah. What's going on? The dead know nothing, right? Well, Moses is dead. Well, let's have a look. Ecclesiastes 9, chapter five, verse 5, verse 6, yep. and verse 10. Sure. I, I, these are my go-to texts yep. on what happens to you after you die because they're so simple. They're so easy to understand. We've already read Moses went to the top of Mount Nebo to the Pisgah Peak. Yep. He saw across Israel. Then he died, he, he died, and the Lord God 
buried him. Yep. And here he is. Jesus has come to the earth maybe 1,500 years later. Yep. And Jesus goes to the top of the Mount Transfiguration. And here you've got Moses and Elijah. Let's not worry about Elijah. Okay. Turning up yep. ancient Old Testament prophets to talk to Jesus. This just doesn't seem right. Uh, Read Ecclesiastes uh, 9, just to remind us sure. of what happens to you after you die. Okay, nine, um, verse, chapter 9, verse 5, verse 6, yep, and verse okay. 10. Uh, the living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. Well, they, oh, 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 oh. How much know do nothing. they know? Nothing. 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 Yep. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, it's all long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on earth. Okay, so the dead know what? Nothing. But if Moses turns up to the transfiguration of Jesus on top of this mountain, do you think he knows something? Absolutely, of course. I mean, you can read the story. He's talking to Jesus. Yep. He's around Jesus. He's with Jesus. Well, isn't, the isn't, isn't um, Peter and no, James and John there too? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. But the Bible says here the dead know nothing. nothing. So what's going on here? Read verse 10. Just just okay, to remind Because <laughs> this really clinches about what happens. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are challenged by this concept of the Bible that after you die, you know nothing. All right. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work. Or planning, or knowledge, or wisdom. There's nothing in the grave. Nothing in the art. That's it. Nothing. Yeah. When you die, you're in an unconscious sleep. Uh, how many operations have you? Have you had a, had an operation where they've knocked you out, Hunty? Yeah, I've had a bunch. Yep. Have you had a bunch of them? I've had a bunch. Yep. You've probably had more than me. I remember my knee surgery a few years ago. I went in. I was talking to the nurse. The next thing I know, I'm in recovery. Another time, I've had quite a number of operations on my knee. Don't play football, especially if you're no good like I was. Yeah, waste of time and wreck my body and achieve nothing, absolutely nothing. But um, I, I remember a, another operation when I went in and I woke up and I was saying all these weird, strange things. And I remembered <laughs> them later. Oh, I apologise to the nurse. She said, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. But in those operations, between the time they knock you out to the time you wake up, what do you know? Nothing. It's amazing, isn't it? Yep. You absolutely, actually don't know a thing. You're just completely gone. Well, that's death. That's what happens to you after you die. And the Bible's very clear on that from Genesis to Revelation. If you don't know what that means, that's the whole Bible. The dead know. How much, Hunty? Uh, they know nothing. Not a thing. Mm. So what is happening here when Moses is supposed to be dead, know nothing, in a state of unconsciousness, and then he turns up here 1,500 years later on the mountain with Jesus. Let's have a look at Jude chapter 1, verse 9. There's actually one chapter in Jude. A lot of people just say Jude 9. Yep. yep. But I think that confuses people. Yep. So I've always that said me. Jude chapter 1, verse 9, even yep. though there's only one chapter. Thanks. Yep. Okay. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said... The Lord rebuke you. Now, this is what I want you to take notice of. Keep going. Um, this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. Something's happening. Yeah. What? The angel of the Lord here is arguing with the devil about Moses' body, and then Moses turns up. Mm. Turns up 1,500 years later. Alive. Now, this is the big deal here. It seems, and the evidence is there for all to see, 
that Jesus came down, that God himself came down, we don't know how long after Moses died, and resurrected him. Mm. It does That's bad. the evidence. Yep. Because the Bible's very clear, the dead know nothing. Then you've got the archangel Michael. God himself comes down, arguing with the devil over the body of Moses, and then Moses turns up. Are you with me, Hunty? Yeah, I'm with you, but I'm confused. <laughs> well, there's resurrection. Okay. Don't be confused. There's resurrection. So God raised Moses from the dead. Yeah. Mm. That's the evidence, isn't it? It is. Why? Well, yeah, why is the devil wanting to argue with God about Moses' body? Oh, he wanted him to stay dead. Ah, okay. He would say to Jesus, well, what right have you got to raise Moses? You haven't died on the cross. Um, There has been no punishment, penalty for sins. What right have you got to um, take his body and resurrect him? And it seems that God just brushed the devil aside and said, I'm God and I'll do what I want. And he resurrects Moses takes him back to heaven, and then Moses comes down with Elijah. By the way, Elijah went in a fiery chariot to heaven. He never died. He was translated straight, the Bible says, in a fiery chariot to heaven. So you've got Moses and Elijah representing two groups. The first group, Elijah, who goes straight to heaven. We're going to look at this next week, hunty. Yep. He represents those who never die, who see Jesus when he comes the second time. I pray to God that might be you and me. Yeah, that'd but be really Moses cool. represents those who, before they reach the promised land, they've gone through the desert, just like ah. they've come out of slavery, just like Moses did. Got it. They've gone through the desert, just like Moses did. They've suffered. They're looking forward to the promised land. They want to go there. It's almost like God takes us to the top of Mount Nebo, to the Pisgah Peak, and says, I am taking you to the promised land, but you have to sleep until First. I come and get you. Oh, wow. Pretty powerful, isn't it? And, and, and everybody looks at Moses and goes, oh, what a rip-off. He, he uh, didn't get to go to the promised land after all that. He went to more than the promised land. God came down and took him back to heaven. Yep. It's an amazing story. And Moses represents those who will die and will be resurrected when Jesus comes the second time. Mm. Don't you like that? Love it. First Thessalonians chapter four, sixteen and seventeen. Let's finish oh, love this, text. this little Bible study on yep. the scripture. Love it. There are a number of them, but this is one of the key scriptures about Jesus coming back to resurrect those who have died, who are sleeping right now, waiting for him. Go for it, mate. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So I encourage you to these words. Can you see those two people oh, meeting? Elijah. Yes, love it. Those who are alive are going to be translated. Yep. That means going up without death. Yep. And those who died and who are resurrected coming together to go up into the sky to meet Jesus. So here's the point. Yep. If you're sick, perhaps you've got a fatal illness and you're discouraged because you're going to die don't be discouraged don't be depressed remember moses and god's promise that he will come again he will resurrect you he will one day soon take you to live in eternity where there's no death with him forever you're listening to the aussie pastor here on faith fm 
we got tiny little writing, and I oh. can't remember this song. So you're okay, gonna, you are going to introduce it, Hunter. I've got it. Okay, this next song, it's a ripper. It's called "Standing on the Promises." And it's a oh. um, song by, yes. You know why I, I, I chose this one? Why is that? Because the promise is if you die, if you pass away, if you go to sleep before Jesus comes, the promise is he will come again. That's what it means to be standing on the promise. Sorry, honey. Go no, on. That's all right. Introduce, introduce. Uh, let me going. see. Who's singing it? Um, it's going to be sung by gospel music hymn sing Gerald Wolfe and the Wishnets. Yeah. And a tribute quartet. Yeah, that's right. All right. Very good. Here it is. That'll leave us all kind of hanging out. Hey, go to, go to page 329, 329, standing on the promises of God. And we'll do this one at a little bit, yeah, a good clip like that. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God I shall prevail standing on the promises of Promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises. And, Hunty, if you and me, <laughs> oh, nice. as we're getting older, one day have to lie in our deathbed, we're going to stand on those promises and we're going to know that if Jesus could resurrect Moses, can resurrect us too. That's it. In fact, Jesus resurrected a whole heap of people, didn't he? 
he resurrected uh, Lazarus. Remember that story? When we're oh, in- look, that's one of my favourite parts of our trip, Lazarus. Yeah, talking about being uh, uh, claustrophobic. <laughs> we actually went down, um, listeners, into Lazarus's actual tomb. I tell us his actual tomb. And it was quite a ways on the ground, and it was quite a narrow passage. Yeah, and I felt like I felt like if there's the slightest earthquake. This will also be our tomb. Next time we go down underneath the ground somewhere, I'm going to test Hunty and myself on this claustrophobia. I'm going to bring this question, who's the most claustrophobic, to a conclusion. Okay, listeners, we were, we were sitting in an aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we ain't got time for that story, but I'm happy to tell that story sometimes. One time, cause it is one a, day. It is a funny one, isn't it? Hey, a big shout-out to Lil, yes. who's just sent a message on how much she loves our music. She's we, really enjoying the music. We yep. love you, girl. We do. She's actually a, a church member of yeah. our church. We're stirring her up a little bit. Um Hunty, this is uh, another testimony. This time, the first testimony he had of a girl coming to Jesus was a Muslim girl. This is a Jewish man, but he's no ordinary guy, this fellow. I'm going to give you a little secret. He actually became and is the publisher of one of the biggest online Jesus Christian magazines in Israel, a very powerful witness for Christ. But this is his story, and I think you'll enjoy it. Now, bear in mind, this is made for television. And I take a little bit of a risk, Hunty, yes. putting it on radio. But if you listen carefully, you'll have no trouble picking it up. And it is powerful, powerful, powerful. So, David, you're an Israeli Jew yeah. that believes in Jesus. I do. I do. Yeshua, you know. Yeah, Yeshua. How does that happen? <laughs> I tell you, it has to be supernatural, right? How does a Jew come to believe in Jesus, right? It's uh, it's really not normal for that to happen. Right. There's been so much animosity and misunderstanding about who Yeshua is. Yes. And Jesus, as as you call him, right? So for me, you know, it was just I had an encounter. I mean, he just kind of showed up into my life one day at one particular moment. Where were you? I, I was living in the Sinai Desert. Of all places. Of all places, right? (laughs) The end of the world and you turn left is in no man's land. And I lived on a sand dune under a palm tree for three years. You know, I was was looking for something. I was looking for meaning and purpose in life. The world is so broken. And and I and I was looking for some some meaning, something worth living for, something that that you know you could fall in love with and want to live your life yeah. Uh, yeah. for for a purpose and for a reason. And I also don't understand who I was. So anyway, while I was sitting there on this sand dune, and I was a fisherman. Okay, I had a net. And I used to go out into the Red Sea and fish for my food and wow. things like that. So one day a guy walked by and he gave me a Bible, a copy of a Bible. And this Bible was not like any other Bible that I had ever seen before because it also had the New Testament in it. Ah. The New Testament, right? Yeah. Now, we Jews, we don't read the New Testament. That's Even though it's a Jewish book, it was written by Jews here in Israel, right? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, it's the most famous, well-known book in the history of mankind. I don't know if you know this, but it's been published more than any other book in the history of mankind. Yes. It was written by our people here in this land. That's right. 
And our people don't read it. It's a uh, that's right. Yeah, it's, you uh, know how many arguments that I've had with people on the streets? I'd, just by saying, "Have you read the New Testament?" starts this huge argument, right. this big debate. Right. And they, they never even open the book. Right. And you know, the first sentence of the New Testament is like the most Jewish sentence you could ever be. What is that? It is the, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son right. of Abraham. Ah. When I was when I was in church one day. In, in the States. And I saw, and this was before I came to faith in Yeshua, I saw Jesus on a mountain talking with Elijah and Moses, and I went, what? What are these guys doing on half, this side of the book? Have to do, <laughs> right, with Yeshua. Right. right, right. So anyway, I'm reading this book, and it's really speaking to me. You know, I had this experience, it was almost as though I was seeing my life reflected in the Bible. The beauty of it, the power of it, it goes right down to your to your heart and right. to your soul. It yes. speaks about things like the meaning of life, the mm -hmm. true purpose of why we're here on this planet. And so I was contemplating all of these things. But, you know, I opened up the Bible that I was given. And I, at the beginning, in the Old Testament, or the Tanakh that we call it, yeah. I, I came to this chapter from Isaiah chapter 53. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this, and I says, my goodness, this is speaking about Yeshua. Yes. So clearly. Yes. I said, how can this be? We don't have Yeshua in our in our Bible. He's right. not part of our even history, you know. Uh, how can this be? So I looked at the front of the Bible. I said, what kind of Bible is this that they have Yeshua, They have Jesus in the Bible, right? In the Hebrew Bible. And I go on the front. I say, it was a uh, it was a Christian translation mm -hmm. of the Bible. And I said. This, this is not true. The Christians made it up that Yeshua was the Messiah. And then they changed the translations to make it look like right. he's in the book. A typical Jewish argument. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. right, right. He's not the Messiah. Right. He's not spoken about there. But I was so moved by my reading yeah. of the New Testament that I decided I'm going to figure out, could it be that it speaks about Yeshua? In my Bible, in my Tanakh. Yes. So I don't even know, but in Jerusalem we have this, it's called the Dome of the Scroll. It's the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. It's a, the oldest manuscript that we have of the Hebrew Bible. And I went and I searched in there all day long. I found Isaiah chapter 53. Of course, it's not divided into chapters there or verses. You have to kind of look at all the texts. I finally found it. And I'm reading in the Hebrew, and it's the same word for word as you have in the English translation mm. in that book that, yeah. that this guy gave me. And I was just overwhelmed. I said, how can it be? Yeshua is part of our Hebrew culture. Yeshua is talked about in the prophets. Yes. And I discovered that it wasn't only in Isaiah. It was also in Jeremiah and all through the Hebrew Bible. And all that was lost. So this led me to come to a place where I really thought, well, you know what, I really need to complicate, to not complicate, to contemplate <laughs> on this thing. How can it be? I mean, the figure of Yeshua is, you know, the most well-known person of all of history. That's he was right. born here in my land, amongst my people. I need to look into this. And then, and then it happened to me. One day I was sitting on this sand dune. I was fixing my fishing net. And all of a sudden, it just came to me. Yeshua just, I guess you would say, revealed himself to me yeah. that he is the Messiah. Yeah. And it changed my life, completely changed my life. You know, I was kind of a person, I used to always walk around with my head down like this. Mm -hmm. 
you know. In fact, I used to find money all the time <laughs> because I was just this kind of, you know, sad, sad sack kind yeah. of a guy, you yeah, know. Yeah. And when Yeshua revealed himself to him as Messiah, and I understood that he came to forgive me for my sins, yes. right? And all the things that I was seeing in the Bible about myself and what I was like and what I had done in my life, the things that I did with my hands, the things that I had used my mouth for and my eyes to look at, and all of that was all of a sudden lifted yes. off of me. And I looked up around me, and it was like the first time I saw the green leaves of the tree. It was the first time I, I, I recognized the beauty of the world that we live in. It was like I, I, I became alive mm. for the first time. I think at the time I was about 22, 23 years old. Wow. And it was like the first time I had ever seen the beauty of the world that we live in. And Let's have a seat. Yeah, it just it tra it it transformed my life. And, wow! And, so and so before we before we close here, what was your background like that you came from into faith in Yeshua? Uh, it was a typical Jewish family. You know, we were uh, traditional Jewish family. Religious? Yeah, no, religious uh, very much, but traditional. You know, we went to synagogue on the holidays yeah. and on Shabbat and at bar mitzvah. And, Put on tefillin, and you know. Did your faith ever cause any family problems? Oh yeah, yeah. My family completely rejected me. They didn't want to have anything to do with me after that. But over the years, particularly when I started having grandchildren, particularly my mother, you yeah. know, she she couldn't stay away from that. But over the years, they became much more respectful. They saw what it did to my life. Yep. Not only as a person, they saw how I changed. I learned to respect my parents. But they also saw my connection to Judaism and to this land. It got much deeper yep. and much richer. You know, I kind of fell in love with with my heritage as a Jew through Yeshua, and that and they really began to respect me and my faith yeah. uh, over time. Same thing happened to me. I'm so happy. So, what are you doing today? Well, I'm a journalist. Yeah. I'm the editor of uh, Israel Today. Uh -huh. It's an international uh, magazine online and in print. Yes. And I write uh, uh, stories connecting between what's happening in Israel today and the Bible Wonderful. Uh, to give a biblical dimension of the, of the, of the daily news yeah. here in Israel. Yeah, there's an old comedy that I used to like. I'm not going to mention the name of the movie, but uh, he, he okay. says, brothers don't shake hands, brothers got a hug. So thank you so much for sharing your wonderful testimony with me and with the audience. And if you like this kind of content, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you can be the first to know when new videos come out. Thank you, David, for sharing your testimony. And just make sure you like the video and leave a comment down below if you have a question for David, if you have a question for me. Thank you for watching. God bless you. May you all find peace and truth in Jesus Yeshua. Amen. Wow. A sting? Oh. You'd like, would you like a sting? Yeah. You're waiting for one, were you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be no sting? Oh, if you, if you really, really would like well, a I'm, sting. Well, I'm going off your calendar, off your plan. <laughs> right, sting it is. <laughs> You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Actually, you know what? We actually have to do this by law. We are supposed to, we're supposed to slate our, our broadcast 
station at least twice an hour. I like how Hunty makes a mistake. Yes. Was that a mistake? Well, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> How's that my fault? Never let the facts get in the way of the story. <laughs> I was about to, I was about to defend you. Then I was about to say he made a mistake and didn't play this thing. But then I was about to say, yes, never has a man been as busy as you are <laughs> in this show. Because if you, I restarted knew, the computer again. It's not in working, that last clip. No. <laughs> uh, um, the thing is, he is very, very busy. In fact, a lot. In, in a lot of ways, I shouldn't even try and get him to help me hosting this. But no, no, I, no, no, I appreciate it, Hunty. And it, <laughs> I just want to recognise that what you're doing, I do stir you up, and I enjoy that. I know some of the listeners don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> they think I'm having a go. I'm not. Listeners, I love this dude. Yeah, we're good friends, um, best friends. Uh, and he is very, very busy behind the console. <laughs> They're doing a lot, a lot of work. Um, this song is about what that man, his name's David, actually just shared with us. What a difference, and it's true. What a difference, Jesus. If you let him come into your heart, if you invite him into your life, and it's as simple as saying, Jesus, here I am. Come into my heart. He will come. You will have a testimony like the Muslim girl and the Jewish man that you've heard today. You'll have a testimony like that. Jesus didn't just come for Christians. He didn't just come for Anglo-Western people. He came for Jews. He came for Muslims. Mm. He came for Africans. Mm. He came for Americans. You he came me. for Europeans. He even came for Aussies, Hunty. Mm. That's right. He came for Aussies. He's, Jesus is the God. He's the man. He's the God for everyone. Mm. And when he comes into your heart, you'll be singing this song too that Ronnie Millsap wrote and sings, What a Difference, Jesus, You've Made in My Life. What a difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made in my life What a change you've made in my heart What a change you've made in my heart You replaced all the broken parts Oh, what a change you have made In my heart Love to me was just a word in a song that had been way overused But now I've joined in the singing Cause you show me love's true meaning That's why I want to spread the news What a difference he's made in my life What a difference he's made in my life you're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made In my life 
difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made What a difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made Yes, what a difference you've made In my life Yeah. If you want to look up that Israeli dude um, online who gave his heart to Jesus <laughs> coming from the desert, and great story, David Lazarus is his name, editor of uh, Israel Today. Right. I would love to interview that guy. We're going to try. I'm going to get yeah, you because you're a snoop. So I can get him. Yeah. You're a snoop. Um, you, you can <laughs> find anybody. Uh, I think one of the things I like about these guys too, Hunty, yep. is they have got um, not just an amazing experience with Jesus. A whole lot of them are Sabbath keepers, just like you and me. Yes. Yeah. Sabbath keeping Christians. Yep. Fabulous. Love the Sabbath. Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. Jesus, who was the Lord of the Sabbath, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Great stuff. Um, I want to look for a few moments at Jesus, Hunty, yes. with a little bit of time with God. I want to show you, um, perhaps try and open up a little window into who this man, this God man, Jesus is. I'm a great fan of Jesus, but it's more than been a fan. Here's my Lord and here's my Saviour. Here's my God. He who He is the one who I worship. He changed. He has been. He has changed, and He's still changing everything in my life. Andrew Hunt. Mm. It mm. amazes me the changes that Jesus has brought to my life. Yeah. I think of one. You know, tomorrow night, and this will sound a bit weird. Oh, here and, we and, go. And here I, we go. I, I have shared this before, <laughs> but no, I'm serious. This is a change He's brought to me. Yes. Uh, State of origin tomorrow night. Now, I am a born-again Queenslander. Born, born in New South Wales. And, no, born in New South Wales. You were born in bo- New born South Wales. Born in New South Wales, but yes. born again in Queensland. <laughs> and ha- happy to be, too. Uh, love the Queensland State of Origin team. But it goes deeper than that. Love, love, love rugby league, Hunty. You do. Like you couldn't believe. But I get into it too seriously. I mean, when we're at college, university, we'd be all in the common room watching the rugby league, and we'd get into all an old brawl. Same, you know. We, we used to put all the gymnastics mats out in the in the Wurundjeri Activity nah, Centre. This is not joking around. And we put all the mats out because if, if that was a try scored by Brisbane, it was all tackles on. No, no, we weren't mucking around. <laughs> <laughs> this is very serious stuff. And if we lost, the Queenslanders lost, which we don't do very much. But if we or did, very gracefully. Well, we d- we've never had to learn to, to lose gracefully because we just don't lose very much. 
But you know what? The Lord came, and this is what Jesus does. It's all jokes aside, honey. Yeah, okay. And he, 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 he convicted me. And, this, and I've said this before. It's, it's my story. It's, I don't expect everybody. We all, we all go down different roads and have different stories, and the Lord looks at us, and he custom designs his relationship with us according to how he's made us. We all have particular personalities, mm. weaknesses, and mm. strengths. Yep. The Lord comes to us at that level. And he comes to me and he said, Lloyd, in my Bible study, honey, yep. he says, you taken this rugby league too seriously and i kind of argued with him a bit and he says and this is where it really stung me so i want you to do something and this came from my bible study how the lord talked to me we might need yep. to revisit that sometime soon yep and he says hey lloyd I, I i want you to stop watching state of origin oh come on break my heart mm-hmm. I, I want you to come out to the farm this is before i was married i want you to just spend the night with me turn everything off <sighs> I started to do that. I feel teary saying this, Auntie. <laughs> I love State of Origin. It is nothing on what I get when I go out to the farm and it's the Lord and me lying on the grass in the winter night looking up at the sky, communing with each other. It's a very emotional, a very powerful. I can't describe how wonderful it is. And it's, it's like rather than watching State of Origin, I go straight into the throne room of God, and I'm talking to Him. Man, forget the state of origin. Do you it's nothing? D- do you still feel the sacrifice? Because tomorrow no. night's game no. will be the best game because New South Wales is fighting for its life. So tomorrow night will be the hottest game of the three. Well, you've been working with me for 14 years. I think we worked out the other day. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you ever seen me? Pining to watch the rugby league? No, no, the, the, I do know that you've, you've given it up, but I just wonder if it still hurts. No. That's great. There is no pain. That's I'll tell good. you how much it hurts. I'm still a pretty passionate Queenslander. And I, look, look, look. <laughs> I love to stir you, Hunty, up and everybody else who comes from down here. Bottom line is I actually feel more like I'm New South Wales now because I've lived here most of my life. Uh, what, 20, 20 years in Sydney now, isn't it? Yeah, and born here. Yeah, but I never we never stayed we never stayed here long. I think we started we started primary school grade one or something. And we were gone, mate. We've literally been in Queensland the whole time. My family's still back up there in Queensland, but the last state of origin and we won it. You remember I said yeah I, I forgot and didn't even I didn't even know who won it till the next morning, which is a shame because I would have liked to have sent a message through to Hunty. But when you get to the Lord and you're enjoying that, it's a beautiful thing, Hunty. It's wow. a be- and that's my that's test nice. that my testimony of how beautiful Jesus is. And you know, Ronnie Millsup, I like his music, secular and, and spiritual. I really like his yep. spiritual stuff though. Yeah. When, when he writes and then he sings, What a difference you've made in my life, Jesus, it, it's true, isn't it? I mean you've got the same you've got a different testimony to me. I do. But it's similar, isn't it? You know It's true. Yes. The changes and the difference, Jesus and the hurt and the pain and oh, he's just beautiful. Mm, Am very, I rattling on? No, here? we're so lucky. Uh, let's have a look at a few of these prophecies okay. about Jesus who unpack to us. And that's what I love about the Bible. When you're in the Bible, they unpack to us, hunty, who Jesus is. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. Now, this prophecy was given to a man by the name of Isaiah 800 years before Jesus came to earth. So mm. Jesus is alive. Mm. He's in heaven. Yep. But before he came and became a little baby and was born of Mary and Joseph and grew up and saved the world, he inspired Isaiah, who was a prophet in Jerusalem, eight hundred years. By the way, you know how Isaiah died. Um, 
You remember Manasseh? Pretty gruesome, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Manasseh, the bad boy king. Mm, took his head, wasn't it? Took his head off. No, cut him in, put him in oh, a tree. hollow log. That's right. Cut it, cut, him in half. But didn't saw mm. him in half sideways. No, long ways. Long ways, mm. yeah. Awful. Mm. Great story because Manasseh, God was very displeased with Manasseh and the king in Isaiah's day and sent him off into bondage with the Assyrians, I think it was. Well, he... Manasseh confessed his sins to God. He was doing some awful things, sacrificing his kids to, to the god Moloch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, God sent him back to the throne of Israel, to Judah. He actually ended up being Israel's longest-serving king, and yet he was their baddest, the bad boy to start off with. Well, anyway, let's get back onto this prophecy. Okay. 800 years before Jesus comes to earth as yep. a baby, yep. Jesus inspires Isaiah. Isaiah. He told yep. him this about himself. Read it, mate. Okay, um, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. Yep. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Now, so, so someone's going to come who will be a great king. Yes. That's what that's saying. Yes. Now look at what he's called. He, yeah, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor that he is. Mm-hmm. Mighty God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. He is Emmanuel. He is the God of the gods and the King of the kings. There is no one like Jesus. That's what this is saying. Mm. Yeah, go on. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the front, from the, from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord will make this happen. He is that, that just Jesus is going to come. That's what that said. Yep. And he is the king. And I can tell you right now, we're talking about Ukraine and Russia and Sudan and some of these awful hotspots of the world. Where, I mean, when I watch that father that I was telling you about at the beginning of the program, mm, the lieutenant mm. colonel in yeah. the Ukrainian Lamenting army, just break down in son. tears. And yeah. you could see him as he sat there, and the tears coming out of his eyes, wondering. You could almost see him saying, is all this worth it? I've lost my son. Well, Jesus is going to come. Yep. He's going to stop the wars. He's going to call the tyrants to account. He's going to judge them. And if you have chosen Jesus as your Savior, he will then rule on an earth where there is peace, no sickness, no pain, no death, no war. Praise God, no war. And Jesus will reign as the king for eternity. That's what that prophecy is about. Yep. What about this one? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Now, Micah again, hunty, yep. lived about 800 years before Jesus was on this earth. Yep. So Jesus comes to him as the King of the kings and the Lord of the lords in heaven and tells him about himself when he would come to earth. This time he tells him where he'll be born. Jesus says, look, I'm going to tell you where I'll be born. Yep. This is so people can identify who Jesus is when he comes. Got it. Go for it, mate. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Yeah, it's just saying, hey, Bethlehem. It's like saying, Riverston, Sydney. Yeah. Bethlehem, Ephratah. You're just this tiny little village, but there's going to be a great ruler come out of you whose goings forth have been from eternity. He has always been, but he's coming to you, Bethlehem. Read Matthew 2, 1, hunty. Okay. Jesus was born in Bethlehem 
in Judea during the reign of King Herod. A great king is coming. He would be born in Bethlehem. Great stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What about this one? one? This is the first prophecy oh, wow. of Jesus in the whole Bible. This prophecy is 6,000 years old, written 4,000 years before Jesus came to the earth. Genesis 3.15. This is right when Adam and Eve fell. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. The world Mm. has just fallen. Mm. Death has come into the earth. Human beings are about to be plunged into awful, awful tragedy and chaos with all the wars and everything else we're seeing. And Jesus comes down and he says this. He says, can I read this in English yeah, yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah. He says, I will cause hostility between my people, this is Jesus talking, between my people yep. and between your people. It says, Jesus will strike you, Satan, on the head, but you will strike him on the heel. So Satan struck Jesus on the heel when he, was, when he died on the cross. It hurt. Yep. But Jesus struck him on the head and killed him. Nice. And what I mean killed him, I'm using the word symbolically yeah, 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 there. Yeah, yeah, killed yeah. his cause. And one day he will take Satan out. Beautiful prophecy. Right at the beginning of the world, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come and save the world. So what we've got today is we've got Jesus saying, I'm the King of Kings. We've got him saying, I am coming to Bethlehem. And we've got him saying, and I will save the world. Do you like that? Mm -hmm. Now look at this, Isaiah 8, 14 and 15. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah... Now, wait there. Let me go back. Yep. This is 800 years old again, this prophecy. Yep. This is Isaiah talking about Jesus. Sorry, mate. No worries. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Very sad. Hell, what does that mean? (laughs) This prophecy is just saying, hey, when Jesus comes, a lot of people are going to reject him. He'll be a snare to them. Uh-huh. He'll be a trap. Okay. They won't accept who he is. They won't accept that he's a Messiah. They won't accept that he's God. They won't accept his sacrifice on the cross. This is written 800 years before he comes. Then what happens? First Peter 2, 7 and 8, Jesus comes, he dies, he sets up the early Christian church, and here's Peter, one of his main apostles, preachers, preaching. What does he say? Verse 7 of First Peter 2. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the one that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Do you get that at all? Yeah, help me. It's just saying that Jesus has become the cornerstone of the new building, which will be his church, but will also be your life. Got that. You've accepted Jesus. But there are many people who are rejecting Jesus. Ah, okay. And because they reject him, they're stumbling over the cornerstone. Right. They're stumbling over the foundation of our lives, the foundation of the church. That's Jesus, Jesus. And you know what? People are stumbling, Hunty, to this day. They stumble, they stumble, they stumble. And Jesus calls you right now. I'm talking to you, our listeners now, and, and the two or three viewers we've got. Jesus calls you to make a decision for him now. He calls you to follow him, to give you his sins, to give you your, to, to give to him your life. And in return, he's going to give you peace down here. He's going to give you hope down here. And he's going to give you an eternal life one day soon when he returns. That is the Jesus that changed the life of that Muslim girl and changed the life of that Jewish man and will change your life too if you'll let him. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
Lady Love Smith, she's a friend of yours and she's mm. a friend of mine, mm. hunty. Mm. Yep. She's singing this song, Burdens Are Lifted to Calvary. I put this here because when Jesus came down, the thing he did is he took our sins to the cross and he paid the death penalty for him. Yep. For them there. Yep. And when he did that, what that means is Jesus then can be our saviour because he's already paid for our the death price for our sins. We're just going to say, Jesus, here are our sins. Come into my heart. Jesus, save me. And this song's a celebration of how when you come to Jesus and you give him your sins, all your burdens are lifted and you live in peace. Hallelujah. Great song.
when oh, I um, right. when I when I met those guys. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We put you back on. All right. Oh, was I off? Was I? No, you weren't on. I was just on because I was going to introduce the next. That's session. right. No, <laughs> in fact, I that that's a strike against Lloyd. <laughs> when I met them, they were people of grace. Yes, weren't they? Lady Love and her husband, two beautiful people. Yeah, they were. Sorry, yeah. go on, mate. No, I, well, I'm excited because this is one of my favourite segments. It's called Ask the Aussie Pastor. And if you've not sent your questions in today or ever, why not? It's easy to do. Um, you can send them to us one of two ways. You can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail dot com. Now, we've got some great questions in today, mate. Okay. And, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to rock you a little bit. He goes, um, why was, this is one of our regular listeners, um, why was Daniel saved from the lions in the lion's den, but the Christians in the Colosseum were not saved? Don't know. <laughs> this is Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yeah, don't know. I haven't got a clue. You have to know all the answers. <laughs> no. That, that that sort of question is a, is a good question. It is. But the reality is how can I be asked a question that only God can answer? Yeah, there you go. It's God's mind. He's the one who decides who's saved and who isn't. Yep. I mean, I could ask the same question. Uh, why did my mate get killed on a motorcycle and I didn't? Yeah, and, and oh, why do Christians die in the in the dark ages? And what? Why does someone die of cancer and someone doesn't? Yeah. Um, look, yeah. it's a very good question, but the reality is we don't know, and I don't think it's that healthy to even try and answer those questions that only God knows. Does that sound all right, mate? Not um, too harsh. I was hoping you had a great answer to that. No, no. I, mm. Well, how can I? I'm not God. No, I, I do not true. know why God saved um, Daniel, and He didn't save those in the Colosseum. If you don't know what the Colosseum's about, that's what, it's not so much the Colosseum actually in Rome. It's the Circus Maximus where most of the Christians died, which is down the road from the Colosseum. Yep. There are a few Christians died in the Colosseum, but mostly they were persecuted and died in the Circus Maximus. If you go there today, it's just a great big field. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some of the grandstands still up. Yeah, not much. Not much, that's true. No. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next question. Do you think God has a view on the voice referendum? Mm, I'll read it to you again. Do you think God has a view on the coming up? There's a, in Australia coming up in a um, little while, there's a referendum that will look at whether to grant the Indigenous people of Australia a seat at the table. Do you think God has an opinion on that? Uh, um, I'm sure he does, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, True. Yeah, look, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Uh, one thing I know is God loves our Indigenous people. As do we. He loves them so much that he come and died for them. Yes. And uh, when God gets in amongst our Indigenous people, they are a very powerful force for good. Yep. So I, I don't get so much into the politics of this world, to tell you the truth. I'm into more... Um, the politics of God's kingdom. Yeah, I'm advancing another kingdom. There's going to be a lot of things happening down on this earth politically that I like, and there's got to be a lot of things happening I don't like. Um, there's going to be decisions politicians make that I like, decisions I don't. But I'm trying to stay focused on things above. Mm, mm. Mm. All right, let me give you another question. What is unique about the Seventh-day Adventist doctrine when we compare it to other Protestant religions? I know none of these questions. I know this one. No, but I just know none of these questions. Oh. Um, I could answer this one. Yeah. It's in, our, it, it's in our title. 
Well, for starters, we believe mostly all the same things as the Protestants, except we, being Seventh Day, we believe that the Sabbath is God's worship day. That's the is, that's a main is one. Is there anything else? Yeah, and also we believe that when you die, you're dead. You're not in limbo, hell, or purgatory. We talked about that today. Yeah, we, we did. We did. We believe that you die and you rest in the ground until Jesus returns. Anything else? Um, look, that, that's the major things. Oh, our Ten Commandments are a bit different to the Catholic Ten Commandments. They, yeah, but they they're, 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 the same as, they're the same as the commandments in Exodus 20. No, uh, the Catholics changed two of them. Yeah, they're the same, though, as the commandments in yes. Exodus 20. Yeah, the rest that, of the Protestants yeah. uh, have the same Bible. As so, um, yeah, so th- that's not a difference. So you've got the Sabbath. State of the dead. State of the dead. Uh, we don't believe in the secret rapture. That's another good one. You're on fire. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I've got, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we believe in a judgment. Okay. Uh, what, what does that mean? We believe that there'll be judgment before Jesus returns. Um, it's found in Daniel eight fourteen, two thousand three hundred day prophecy. Um, pretty hard to do that one on, but that's probably the most distinctive uh, of all the doctrines that Adventism holds. That's not held elsewhere because there are other sabbath keeping churches there are other churches that believe in the state of the dead as we and the bible preachers and teachers um but there are no other churches that have the unique understanding of judgment that we do found okay. in daniel 8 okay yeah wow and there are a few other things you you know you talked about the secret rapture most of protestantism at least has gone along with that one right um i'd like to look at again that one again i just thought of another one yeah uh we don't we don't uh, sprinkle babies. We wait until they're of mature enough age to make a decision for Christ themselves. It's called themselves. baptism by immersion, but mm. the Baptists and a mm. lot of other Protestants, most of the Pentecostals are into baptism by immersion. Yep. So there are a few things, and you've been pretty pretty sharp on identifying them, but Seventh-day Adventism, this movement we belong to, pretty much is a mainstream Protestant movement uh, that has the, some of these very special biblical doctrines. For me, for me, the important thing is that we are, I think the word solar scripture, as in, we believe what the Bible says, and that's it. Hmm. Okay. All right, we've got about a minute left. Let's go. One more question. Um, do you think tithing is important for Christians? Uh, it, it's it's biblical. It's Old Testament biblical. Yep. Um, you know, when, when it comes to money, people get pretty sensitive. Yep. And yep. there's some pretty bad stuff going around at the moment about the church and money and some of the things that have been done. And so if you've got pastors that are living in mansions and driving around Harleys, I'm talking <laughs> new ones, not the old bomb you had, Auntie. And, and, yeah, you've got issues. But most churches are not like that. They're little. They're poor. Yep. Uh, and if you've got a church like mine, it uses the money that it gets through tithe and offerings to advance the cause. Um, tithe, yeah, you return it, you give it. If you've got a born-again relationship with Christ and you've come to a point in that relationship where Jesus says, hey, come on. Th- and that's a very intimate thing between you and you and Christ. Indeed. So, so, yeah, I'm all for tithe and I'm all for giving offerings, but I recognise it's a thing between you and the Lord Jesus. All right, well, that wraps up today's Ask the Aussie Pastor. Thank you for your questions. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I just came to praise the Lord. Let's let's finish the program today on this yep. beautiful song of, of praise and celebration by Shane McConnell. I just came to
special day You came into my heart To show me a better way You said you would never depart And this is why I Great way to finish the program. I want to thank you, Hunty, and yes, my colleague too, and my, my brother in arms. I know you've had a hard time behind the, <laughs> the switch today. Things don't always work right, but you know what? It'd be fair to say we're getting closer, aren't we, Hunty? Yeah, we're getting better. Yeah. Yeah. God's blessing us. And I, and I hope you've been blessed by the program today. And above all else, I hope and pray you've been able to get a little glimpse into Jesus because he truly is beautiful. He is wonderful. It's uh, great to have him in my life. And I encourage you to have him in yours. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to come to you as we close this program. I want to thank you for Jesus. He is so wonderful. I pray, God, that you'll bless our listeners and and viewers. I pray, God, that they will experience you as you've blessed us with. So be with us now, Lord, as we close this program and bless us and keep us all safe until we return this time next week. It's my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor. Yeah, my name's Hunty Men in Black, and we love you. But I'm not as much as Jesus does. See you see next ya, time. See ya, see ya. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 